Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Big stories. Big guests. The big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So it sounds like Ottawa is talking to the United States about the safe third country agreement, but it's it's not clear what it is we're trying to achieve here. Now, earlier in the week, uh, conservative MP Michelle Rempel uh, had proposed the idea of making the agreement apply to the entire border, not just border crossings, something the federal government rejected. So today, uh, Federal Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale saying that the aim of changing the agreement would be to stem the flow of asylum seekers that have been coming into Canada from the U.S. It's a discussion that we're having uh, with the Americans about uh, the various uh, techniques that, uh, that, that, that could be pursued on both sides of the border to, to ensure uh, security and integrity. So we're, we're talking to the Americans, but they're not formal talks necessarily? But at the same time, it sounds as though we're trying to enlist the help of the Americans to to address this problem. But do the Americans have a vested interest in helping us resolve this problem? Because if these would-be asylum seekers are leaving the U.S. and coming to Canada, well, then they're no longer the uh, Americans' problem, are they? So what are the options that we have in in attempting to deal with this? Because I don't think there are any easy answers. Uh, But joining us uh, for some thoughts, pleased to welcome the program, uh, Raj Sharma. He's an immigration lawyer. He's a founder and partner at the law firm Stuart Sharma Harsani. Raj, thank you for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Does it seem like mixed messages that the government rejected the idea of reopening this agreement? Now maybe we are open to the idea? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's been a lot of uh, sort of uh, mixed messages uh, that have perhaps uh, precipitated and uh, aggravated the present situation. We had, of course, the Muslim ban of uh, early last year. And then, of course, at the same time, we had this sort of timely um, subtweet, uh, let's call it by Prime Minister Trudeau, that uh, basically welcomed those fleeing persecution and obviously for you know these individuals in the u.s desperate individuals i mean drowning men clutch even at straws and i think uh, a lot of individuals took that as a as a green light um that canada um was rolling out the welcome mat yeah it certainly was interpreted that way and we, we've seen some stories about uh, you know the internal emails within government departments kind of scrambling to react to to that tweet that caught a lot of people off guard so when it comes to addressing this situation though raj i mean there's no as i said there's there's no easy fix to this is there there's no pat uh easy fix to this this is a, a somewhat of an intractable solution and realistically um the only real viable solution is comprehensive, liberal, generous immigration reform in the U.S., and that's simply not going to happen. If anyone thinks that uh, 
you know, the forces that Trump has unleashed are going to be somehow reversed, then I've got uh, some swampland in Florida to sell them. Um, the issue is this, and, and this kind of goes back, and, and I, I fear that we may be looking uh, into some nativist resentment uh, of the sort that fueled Brexit, for example. For many, many years uh, and decades, Canada has been, um, you know, very accepting of immigrants because we've been able to pick uh, those that come here. And once the, that decision is taken away, once individuals start deciding, um, you know, for us or individuals choose Canada rather than Canada choosing them, that's when you see nativist uh, sentiment and blowback. And I fear that this is what's going to happen because the border crossers are going to, this year, unprecedented perhaps, um, exceed the number of the so-called conventional refugee claims inside Canada. Because it, it is very difficult to get to Canada to otherwise make an asylum claim. So certainly the Safe Third Country Agreement reduced the number of asylum seekers coming to Canada. And remember, we did that for a reason. So I was a refugee protection officer around the time that the Safe Third Country Agreement was uh, brought into place. So in the just after 2001, you had a similar surge of uh, claims at the border, about 14,000. And so Canada pushed for the Safe Third Country Agreement. And, and the reason for that is that Canada wanted to limit foreign shopping. They wanted to restrict individuals to make the claim in the U.S. I, I think the vast majority would have uh, preferred to make a claim and stay in the U.S. anyway for a host of reasons, whether it's cultural or economic. Um, but this is something that we wanted. So we wanted the Safe Third Country Agreement, and it dropped right away from that 14,000 or so and then uh, dropped immediately after the Safe Third Country Agreement because no one can make a claim at a port of entry at the border unless there was some exceptions, for example, family in Canada. Um, and then, of course, the other exception, or simply put, a lot of people call it a loophole, but look, Safe Third Country agreement just simply doesn't apply if you make an inland refugee claim. So you cross that border, you make that claim anywhere inside Canada, all of a sudden now you have access to the Immigration Refugee Board and, uh, um, and the Safe Third Country Agreement doesn't apply to you. You can't turn that individual back. Right. And, and there, there are international conventions, refugee conventions that we've signed on to that, that stipulate that, that we don't I mean, once you set foot in Canada, you can make a claim, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, subject to there's certain uh, ineligibilities, for example, you know, serious crimes, for example, or serious criminality, and there are some exclusion clauses. Uh, the and if you look at the sort of uh, you know the behavior or the economics of these sort of these decisions, it, it makes a lot of sense because at a certain point. Given the backlogs, you, you know, you make this refugee claim in Canada, you know, two years ago it would take three months for a hearing. It's now going to take at least two years, two years with a work permit, two years with legal status, and, and again, two years. And the longer you're in Canada, the more options sort of open up for you to remain in Canada and, and to obtain status in Canada. So I think faced with, you know, you know, a choice like a rock in a hard place, so you have a lot of Central Americans in the U.S., for example, you've got 200,000 El Salvadorians, for example, uh, going back to Central America with a murder rate higher than, um, you know, countries at war, higher than, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, for example. So y you're simply not going to go there after 20 years in the U.S. And faced with the bellicose and belligerent language of, uh, uh, of Trump and his cohort, 
and of course the prospect of going back to Haiti or, or Central America, all of a sudden trying your luck in Canada seems very, very attractive. And again, the numbers are with you. The, uh, my own back-of-the-envelope calculation, depending on where you're from, you have a very good chance ultimately of remaining in Canada permanently if you make a refugee claim in this way. So there, there are dueling arguments here then in, in terms of how to respond. One side of it is to say, let's just simply drop the safe third country agreement. So then at least we got people coming through proper border crossings and then we can attempt to deal with this. There are those who say we need to change the safe third country agreement, make it stronger. We need to, to have more enforcement along the border. I, I mean, do either of those address the problem? Well, the, let's let's talk about that first option, the, the former option. If you drop the STCA and, and you allow claims at any port of entry, um, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of individuals in the U.S. with precarious status, perhaps millions. And the fact that people have to cross a border and it's nominally illegal might be the one thing that's holding back potentially hundreds of thousands of, uh, of applicants. So that's that first sort of choice. The second choice is, okay, you extend the STCA and you say, well, whether if you enter the U- from the U.S. and, you know, you can't make an inland refugee claim in Canada, that may be possible. Um, Obviously, that would be subject to court challenge. There's already groups that are trying to set aside the STC and, and argue that the U.S. Pardon me, that the U.S. is not a safe country anymore. Uh, there's been previous challenges to the STCA. They've been dismissed, but uh, there's additional efforts in that regard. So this is a little bit like Pandora's box. And, um, you know, there's there's going to be many, many consequences, both, you know, foreseen and unforeseen um, in this time right now. I mean, given what you have right now, uh, you know, again, you've got these, you know, caravans, as uh, put it from Central America, coming up to the U.S. on that south side. This is a solution, and this is a situation which is uh, not anticipated. Again, Canada was able to manage its own immigration because the U.S. was kind of like this, had this massive gravitational pull like, like Jupiter, and all of a sudden, that gravitational pull has weakened or it's now starting to repel individuals. And now Canada is going to have to deal with that whirlwind. Well, and clearly, yeah, I mean, look, there, there's there's going to be a cost involved then in, in processing all of these claims. And there's the time it takes to process those claims. So that's also going to mean um, people are going to be in need of, of social assistance while they're waiting. So there's there's that side of it. Um, if we want to step up enforcement of the border, that's going to entail a lot of cost as well. But if, if we could somehow magically have a, you know, an army of, of border officers uh, standing across the border, I guess if, if technically we could keep people from setting foot in Canada, I mean, well, they, they wouldn't be able to make claims. Well, that's, that's simply not going to happen. This is right. the largest independent uh, <laughs> It's pretty big. In the world. Now, look, there's some Band-Aid type of... Uh, solutions that this government has proposed. So one is this sort of outreach where they're trying to dissuade certain diaspora groups like the Haitians from coming into Canada. I think those will fall flat because they'll simply rely on the experience of their community members that have already made their way into Canada, and uh, they'll be able to relate, for example, the actual 
facts on the ground. Um, there's these other efforts. For example, the U.S. is granting visas to Nigerians. The Nigerians are coming into the U.S. ostensibly for a visit. And then, of course, they immediately, a lot of them are now crossing into Canada and making refugee claims. So the U.S. could restrict the number of visitor visas that it's granting and uh, to groups that are more likely to then, you know, simply come into Canada. That might uh, be possible, but again, very much a Band-Aid type of uh, solution. Um, again, we're looking at, let's say, a backlog well in excess of 20,000, let's say 40,000 perhaps by the end of this year. Um, and uh, it, it is going to be a strain. It, and it's going to be a strain, and I'm, again, I'm fearful and I'm concerned about the repercussions of it. Uh, Toronto homeless uh, shelters are filling up with refugee claimants. Um, other cities are also similarly under that type of stress. And um, it is going to bear long-term consequences. Again, Donald Trump may well be the most consequential president um, of the United States from Canada's point of view, whether it's trade or whether it's uh, immigration policy. Yeah. And I mean, is it your sense that, that the U.S. is content to let this be Canada's problem? Or do you, do you think there's an opportunity to, to work with them to address this? I think uh, I don't envy uh, Mr. Ralph Goodell's job. I think, uh, you know, any proposals that uh, we might uh, make regarding the situation, uh, you know, I might be met with, uh, you know, the world's smallest violin uh, <laughs> yeah. music, right? I, I think that it's, I, I simply don't see in this rhetoric with this partisanship, I simply don't see, I, I think, because it, what it is, effectively is it's almost like a virtual wall you know trump promised a wall now that wall may never be built but his rhetoric alone is sufficient for a wall for example uh, you know it's a 40-year low in terms of the uh, uh the uh, border crossings in the south and so from trump's point of view he's doing exactly what he's sort of promised to do and and what his base really wants i mean um you know, if you want to maintain your faith in humanity, don't read the replies or comments um, to the stories about the caravans from Central America showing up to the Southern Wall. Yeah, I can imagine why. Uh, more at uh, sshlaw.ca. Folks can follow you on Twitter as well, at IMM Lawyer Canada. Raj, uh, thanks for the input on this. Appreciate you making some time for us here. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care. Uh, that's immigration lawyer Raj Sharma, founder and partner with Stuart Sharma, Harsani Law Firm uh, here in Calgary. 403-974-8255. So what do we do about this border problem? And do the Americans care whether or not we sort it out, if they can make some of this our problem? The, the part about the Nigerians, and that's an interesting twist, and that's something that the U.S. could directly address, because this aspect of the problem has... Uh, come up very suddenly. Story from last week here. It says, recently, asylum seekers in Quebec have been mostly Nigerian, and their route to the border is more problematic. In fact, many of the Nigerian asylum seekers arriving in Quebec have recently issued U.S. visitor visas. And that's according to a spokesperson for Canada's immigration minister. Now, the spokesperson says, look, we're not asking the U.S. to refuse entry to these Nigerians, but you see where that pieces together. 
Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.